Jets fans, Winnipeg didn't exactly have the best game against the Seattle Kraken. You know, falling 3-2 to two is always a bit of a tough one, especially on the road. Now, the Jets are still 20-10-1, but this game had a couple of signs of maybe some potentially uh, noticeable trouble spots. We'll talk about what went wrong for the Jets and whether or not Winnipeg should be concerned for the long term on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, on tonight's episode, like I said, uh, we are going to be taking a look at Winnipeg versus Seattle. And I think this game uh, for the Jets was a bit of a disappointment, right? Obviously, over the weekend, Winnipeg kind of thrashed the Vancouver Canucks 5-1. to one. Things were feeling pretty good. And then you thought, well, maybe Winnipeg could follow it up the, the night after with another big win against a team that is actually pretty darn good. This Kraken team has uh, amassed a pretty solid record. They are amongst the top competitors in the Pacific Division. And look, while the Pacific may not exactly be super strong this year, uh, there are some teams out there that look particularly dangerous. Of course, all eyes turning to Vegas, but do not sleep on this Kraken team. Seattle has quietly amassed a very good squad uh, with a lot of balanced offense, a team that can kind of hurt you in a lot of different areas. They sort of play like the first year nights where they have really rapid puck movement. They've got great counters. And you look at the the sorts of names that are contributing, and some of them are very familiar. Eberle and McCann being amongst some of the more popular ones. Burakovsky, also a bit of an underrated gem. But beyond that, you know, the rest of the team kind of gets it done by committees. So what exactly happened for the Jets to fall 3-2 to two in a game in which, quite honestly, Winnipeg could have surrendered five goals, and I don't really think anyone would have been shocked. I think the first thing that really stood out was fatigue. Now, the Jets, uh, over the past several weeks, have played a lot of games. I think this is, what, their seventh game in 11 days, and with all of the fixture congestion and the Jets continuing to uh, play some pretty tough opponents, Obviously, Winnipeg is is definitely expending a lot of energy, but, you know, compounding that has been the injuries, right? The right wing side for Winnipeg is basically a ghost town. The Jets have had to call upon pretty much anyone that can uh, shoot from the right side and even had to claim Carson Kuhlman off waivers. And of course, Carson immediately slotted up into the top line, which is not really something you would associate with a team that's doing particularly well when it comes to your right sided wing depth. So the Jets are kind of in a bit of a crisis. Wheeler's out for a month plus with groin surgery. Um, Appleton is still set to miss a few weeks. Obviously, Ehlers is just coming back um, and starting to skate, but he's still, you know, three plus weeks away. So Winnipeg's right side wing depth is looking pretty grim. 
Um, and, and Wheeler's injury has kind of, you know, ripped out, ripped the bandaid off. I would say a wound that was already pretty big and it, it's getting to the point where the jets are going to have to make a decision about how to handle the roster going forward. Biggest issues on being Apologies, folks. You might have just had a brief outage. I was just saying, I think Bowens has done a very good job so far of mitigating uh, some of Winnipeg's bigger issues, but he can only do so much with the roster that he has at present. The Jets are going to have to make some moves and maybe make an acquisition or two with some of the assets that they've acquired in order to get Bones the help that, quite frankly, this roster needs. I think the Jets need to rotate a little more. I think Winnipeg's you know, skating health is at risk. And when you have so many injuries like the Jets have, Obviously, guys are being deputized to play up in the lineup in spots that maybe they're not really ready for. You know, Michael Isamont kind of struggled after a few solid early games. Kuhlman looks okay alongside Shifley and uh, Perfetti, but not exactly a very comfortable fit. You know, Gagne has kind of bounced up and down the lineup. Gagne is mostly fine, but you can tell every now and then he has some puck management issues and his foot speed isn't exactly at the highest level. So, I think the Jets really could do with figuring out something for the long term. Uh, obviously, this has been an ongoing issue for the past month or two. But as you know, more players keep going down and Winnipeg's right side becomes increasingly barren, it's obvious that the Jets are going to have to have a solution at some point. Uh, I think Vancouver probably has a couple of players who could certainly do the trick, but there are other right, right wings out there who could potentially suffice from other teams. Either way, it'd just be nice if the Jets can make an acquisition or a claim at some point before Winnipeg's entire roster uh, falls to pieces. I think the Jets have done a marvelous job getting to this point, but asking this team to go further with the resources that they have is a bit of a crazy demand. I think Sheveldayoff and the front office really need to find some options, make a couple of acquisitions, and figure out from here uh, how to kind of resuscitate this team and give it the stability for longer term success that it needs. They've already had a fantastic start. And at this point, it's figuring out how to keep everyone healthy enough and keep everyone energized enough for when the Jets eventually make the playoffs and begin their longer postseason quest. I don't know if that means that they might look at some internal call ups, but I feel like most of the call ups that I would have in mind aren't really going to be long term solutions right now. Um, I think the Jets really need to look at some options from trade play, you know, tr like trade options. Uh, I think that's where Winnipeg's really going to make the most bang for its buck. And I know a lot of people are like, well, why would you pay assets for a rental? I think people have to remember the Jets are only two years away from most of this team being out of contract. And so it's really imperative that Winnipeg wins while it still has as much talent as it does right now. But they can really boost their odds and help themselves if they make a few intelligent acquisitions. Now, I did also want to talk about a couple of other things that stood out in this game, maybe some interesting points of concern for Winnipeg, uh, and some things that I think are at least positive signs. We'll get to those in just a moment, but before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I was looking for a jump start to my day, something to boost my immune system and kind of get me going. And if you're wondering what um, AG1 from Athletic Greens is, AG1 is an easy way to get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, uh, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens into your system 
with one delicious scoop. All you do is drop that scoop into the water, stir it around, and boom, you're good to go. It's, you know, it's got no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. It's made with great natural ingredients, and they avoid a lot of the artificial chemicals. And best of all, it contains less than one gram of sugar and is lifestyle friendly, whether you're into keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or you're facing gluten-free restrictions, whatever it is, they've got you covered. And, you know, this, this, product is great because it's also on the cheap side, right? It costs you less than $3 a day to invest in your health, which is quite a lot cheaper than buying tens of thousands of pills over your lifespan. And it's a very small micro habit that can have a big difference on your life. And don't just take my word for it. They've they've got over 7,000 five-star reviews. So be sure to check out AG1 right now. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you've got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Obviously, we're taking a look at Winnipeg versus uh, Seattle and some longer-term things that Winnipeg might be concerned about, not just from this game, but from previous outings. Before we go any further, though, I do want to recommend that you make your second listen of the day Locked On Sports today. It features the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. You can get instant reactions, big game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day all on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. So be sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports today, wherever you get your favorite media, and also available on YouTube as well. Now, circling back to the Jets, you know, points of concern, right? There are some things that we've obviously talked about before, the scoring being one thing, just because Winnipeg occasionally um, has scored quite a few goals this season, but you notice it tends to be the same sources. Uh, a lot of it is coming from the top six, the depth lines have been able to chip in a little more frequently recently, which is great to see. Uh, Lowry has really stepped up in a big way, so I think that's very positive. But I think in terms of what I'm asking for from Winnipeg's top six, it's more like helping them to balance out and add one more elite shooter to try and compensate for when some of the other guys maybe stop shooting like 30 plus percent. I'm obviously exaggerating here. It's not that high, but it is pretty crazy high for this team. Um and that's even without Kyle Connor, right, who hasn't really been shooting the lights out as he usually does. He's generating all the right chances and everything. It's just not as many of them are going in. But I think my bigger concern has recently been on the back end, right? The defense, obviously, we all expected it to be a bit on the rough side. It's not going to change overnight. And I think this team is keenly aware of that. But where my concern starts to be is that Dylan, Pionk, and Schmidt account for like what? almost 15 million in cap space. And what are you realistically getting between all three of them? Dylan, you know, I, I kind of thought would be a really good bet for um, a bit of a bones resurgence, right? He's a big, you know, gritty stay at home, physical D who can occasionally move the puck effectively when called upon in emergency circumstances, but you know where his bread and butter is, right? It's parking around the faceoff circles blocking those shooting and passing lanes and trying to use that physical frame of his to rest the puck off of carriers and force turnovers. I think where the disconnect for me has been is that 
Dylan has been asked to do a lot more than that, especially when it comes to transitioning into breakouts and creating offense off the rush. That's not really his game. Dylan can definitely do some short passes and stuff and can manage the puck okay under pressure, but you notice he's not really super fast. He's not exactly the kind of guy who's blazing a trail up the ice in possession. Dylan, again, is more of that defensively-minded details guy, somebody who's going to also stand up for his teammates and use that physicality against other skaters who might be you know, pushing their luck a little bit. But what Bones really asks of his skaters, especially blue liners like Josh Morrissey and company, all of those guys have to do so much more and shoulder a lot more responsibility, which I think with what Dylan's tool set is doesn't really fit. And then you've got Neil Pionk. Now, Pionk has been playing a lot more with Dylan recently, and that hasn't exactly gone according to plan. Um, I think that this arrangement of these pairings is probably as best as we're going to have it for the time being, but Dylan and, and Pionk together just don't really work all that well. Pionk is kind of chaotic himself. I feel like his puck management this year has gotten worse than it was in last, you know, last season, right? Which was already bad as it was. But this year... Even against the Canucks, you saw him turning it over repeatedly, making very bad short passes, and he was probably fortunate that the Jets didn't walk away with a few more goals against. So together you have a guy who's not really a transition expert, and on the other side you've got a really chaotic defender who, while he does create lots of offense, maybe doesn't help you in your own end. And then Schmidt, you know, who's recently been injured, um, he's just been okay, right? Uh, a solid two-way defender with some pretty good offensive instincts, but not a lot else going on. And he's he's also being paired with like rookies and stuff. So I kind of feel like the Jets have around two to three second pairing, maybe third pairing defenders, all vying for a lot of cap space where the Jets might be able to improve things internally to a point. So I think my biggest concern is at this upcoming trade deadline, are the Jets going to move anyone? I definitely think one of Dylan or Pionk should be considered. As much as they've been great ambassadors for the club, I think long-term the fit's just not really there, and the on-ice performance for what Bones needs hasn't quite aligned with what they've delivered so far. I think they can definitely provide value to other teams, and I think especially Pionk on the trade market would bring a pretty decent return, and I think he could use a little bit of a fresh start somewhere, but um, Dylan definitely has some trade value as well. I wish that he had kind of panned out a little bit better, but so far it hasn't really been what I you know, honestly expected out of him. Uh, Schmidt, I don't really think you can move that contract unless you pay somebody, and unless there's a reasonable deal to be had, I feel like you just sort of grin and bear it and roll on. But you never know. That cap flexibility is really important, and I think the Jets would be remiss if the right opportunity makes itself available, uh, provided that it's not one of Nate's no-trade places. So... Something to keep an eye on, but obviously the Jets have a long ways to go. The trade deadline, though, is not that far away, relatively speaking. Just a, a handful of weeks when you really consider the longer-term picture. So hopefully the Jets are thinking about acquisitions and maybe some departures and getting ready for both either way. Now, towards the end of the episode, I kind of wanted to spend some time talking about one player who actually has benefited from Bones, and especially on the defense Uh, This guy, of course, is none other than Josh Morrissey, and I thought I would spotlight a couple of reasons why I think he's been really effective this year and what it might mean for the rest of his career going forward. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked on Jets. We're just wrapping up real quick with some praise for Morrissey so far and what Rick Bonus has done with him since 
uh, he's arrived as the head coach. In previous years, obviously, we've talked about Morrissey um, as like an elite complementary D, right? Somebody who might be a perfect number two, but not really your number one elite franchise defender. This year, though, Morrissey has kind of kicked the the doors down and become that de facto number one guy, and not just by committee or or designation, but by genuine performance. Uh, He racked up another couple of assists against the Kraken and just continues to create offense left and right. And you might ask yourself, why has Bones been the person to unlock this and what has really changed for Morrissey? And I think the first thing is recognizing that Morrissey's strengths are when he's allowed to basically roam and cut cut loose and be free. Uh, if you ask him to be, you know, the guy who maybe holds back a little bit and doesn't unleash his full tool set, it's going to naturally neuter some of what he does, especially if you're asking him to really focus on defense. Now, when it comes to 2-1-1 rushes and breaking those up, he's been marvelous, especially this year. But defensively, this is probably one of Morrissey's worst seasons, uh, partly because of who he's playing with, partly because Josh is more focused on the other side of the game. And where Bones has kind of recognized uh, Josh's true value, he's basically asking him to be as aggressive as he feels and to attack puck carriers on a pretty consistent basis. Morrissey, whether he's in possession or away from the puck, is constantly looking to create play off of it. He wants to be forcing turnovers. He wants to attack puck carriers and leave no space. And he's usually pinching very high and trying to strip the puck and force turnovers. Inside the offensive zone, he'll do it along the walls. He'll go after guys near the faceoff circles. Anywhere he feels he can create chaos that's within reasonable risk, he will do so. And it's led to a lot of great offensive opportunities. He's also skating in possession a lot more, you know, when he's gliding around the, the blue line and then cutting down and attacking the slot area, he remains a super huge threat. His shots are being tipped on a more frequent basis. He's getting shots more frequently as well. He's also got great passing. And I, I just think that we're seeing like a really versatile, effective attacking defender um, in a way that the Jets really haven't had for a couple of seasons now. I think there are other guys in the system who could eventually do some of the, some of the same things that Morrissey can, but this version of Josh that we've seen really only happened because um, Bones recognized that the best way to unlock Josh Morrissey's true value is just cutting him loose. Let him attack aggressively. Let him use that that physical and, and persistent nature of his. And he really is persistent and physical. He will body check people and kind of crush them. Um, and it's it's caused a lot of chaos, especially with that pressuring forecheck. So. I think that's one of the biggest things I can credit Bones with this year is letting Morrissey be himself. And maybe that's kind of rubbed off on a lot of the other guys too, where we're seeing Shifley and and company really resurging. So it's a great sight to see. I think it bodes good things for Rick in the the near future and longer term. We'll see how long that longer term is. But I'd be curious to know if you feel like Josh has had maybe the best season of his career. Drop drop your thoughts on his, his start so far in the comments below where you think he might finish on the season in Norris voting, and where you think he might finish in scoring. We'll talk about your predictions perhaps in a future episode, but for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your uh, now make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the, the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked on Sports Today podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.